Hello guys and welcome back to The Process of Being. I'm your host, Carolyn Mondin. Um, thank you for those of you who are joining me again. This is episode number two of The Process of Being. Today I am starting the series that I talked about in episode one, which is all about Love Yourself First, my first book out August 25th on Amazon. I'm super excited about it. So it's seven steps to healing and finding the real you. And so I thought that for the next seven weeks, I would take each step and talk about it a little bit in depth. Um, It's a way of me getting this podcast started and it's a way to introduce new people to the book. So super excited about you guys joining me today. Um, Excited to like finally have momentum with this podcast. Also want to say that if you listen to the first episode noted about the music won't do that again I thought it'd be a cool little effect but um it didn't work out so well because there were parts where people couldn't hear me and I didn't know that so um I'll try it but I'll try it a little bit differently so I just wanted to put that out there but I'm excited um again thank you guys for joining me the process of being at something or the podcast I'll say this, the phrase, the process of being is something I've been talking about for the last three years um, in terms of my spiritual and healing journey, my personal journey. I figured out this phrase that I never knew how to be and all of it was just a process of being myself. Um, So that's where that comes from and I think that the podcast has been uh, something I've been wanting to do now for the probably the same amount of time for three years just didn't have the time honestly I don't think I really had the drive to get it done until now and like I said I am so excited this is episode two and I know that I am just gaining momentum the more that I go so with that let's get started so today step one of my book love yourself first seven steps of healing and finding the real you Step one is be honest with yourself. Now, before I get into step one, I wanted to talk a little bit about why I wrote this book. So if you know me, some of you might not, um, I have been on a healing journey for the last six years. And I have in this journey read a ton of books, everything on spirituality, um, self-awareness, actualization, meditation, um, you name it, I've read it. Um, and one of the things that struck me about all the books that I read and some people who I absolutely love, there's some authors that no matter what they put out, I'm going to read it. But one of the things that struck me was that there was no one that I've read that looked like me outside from Ayana Van Sant. Um, there were no Latin women. There were not that many people of color and I wanted to change that. So the reason I wrote this first book and I I say first because I know I have more in me um it's because I wanted to tell it from the perspective of a woman of color I am a Latina from New York City I grew up in Washington Heights yes by the way the Washington Heights that Lin-Manuel talks about where he grew up and his first play and now a movie that should have come out already but hasn't yet um that Washington Heights I was born and raised there I actually was born in Harlem Hospital um but I've been in Georgia, in the South, for most of my adult life, actually all of my adult life. But still, 
in my journey in all these spiritual books and self-help books that I've read, I never could identify with the author. There was no one that looked like me, no one in my age group and no one of color. And so I wanted to change that. And it's not really an aspiration. It's just that I wanted, I thought that if these books helped me, it'd be nice for someone coming after me to have someone who looks like them write one of these books. And so that was the inspiration to start to write is that I wanted people who came from where I came from, my background, um, who look like me, to identify and know that this isn't just somebody else's journey, this can be theirs as well, and for them to have someone to relate to. Um, And so that's really the inspiration behind the book and behind the many more that are coming, is that I like to be a representation for my community. And so let's dive in. Be honest with yourself. Step one talks a lot about my background. Um, I talk in the book in the first chapter about my story. Um, First generation American. My family is from the Dominican Republic. My grandmother came here in 1972. Um, Actually, sorry, that's wrong. 1969, her family finally joined her. Her children finally joined her in 72. She came in 1969, four months after giving birth to my aunt, who I also talk about in the book. Um, And we grew up, again, I grew up in Washington Heights for first generation, the 1980s and 90s. And if you know anything about New York City and Washington Heights, the 80s and the 90s, they were not the safest or the best place to have grown up. And I grew up with a lot of stigma about that. Um, I had a lot of insecurities about it. I knew I always wanted to get out. Um, I knew that my life could mean more. And I knew that I had to live up to something. I think my grandmother sacrificed a ton to come to this country. And as the first granddaughter to be born here, I wanted to, you know, I wanted it to mean something, the sacrifices that she made. But I could never let go of the start, the start of being poor, of growing up with like 10 people in one household in a 700 square foot apartment in New York City um, in the lack of education and the lack of real understanding of language. And so I let that in my life, a life, by the way, that was full of determination um, because I did make it out of New York City of the hood um, by the time I was 18 years old, moved to Georgia, started college, met my husband. I mean, I was determined to not live up to the statistics of my neighborhood and I'd succeeded I made it out um, I got married I started a career that I love uh, you know lived in the suburbs got the ideal life I that was the story I just wanted to get far away from the poor kid who didn't have you know the nuclear family that I saw on TV and I was just determined to make it better and look I'm glossing over a lot because in addition to that there is a lot of other emotional and and background things about my family that I didn't write about in the book that that where the hangups come from and where the honesty needs to come from so I did all of those things and then I found myself at 30, 32, 33 looking at my life thinking I got out, I accomplished all the things that I set out to do, why am I still unhappy? Well, I was running. I was running from myself. I wanted to completely gloss over this other life of mine 
forget healing. I never heard the concept of healing from your past. I was just determined to make it look different. But I couldn't keep running. I the, My past was catching up to me. My feeling of neglect, my insecurities were all catching up to me. And in my awakening that I had at the age of 34, that was the realization that I had, that I wasn't being honest, that while I was trying to create this life that meant something that was worthy, um, I was forgetting that there was a young girl I kept running from and she needed to speak up. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about my inner child, the little girl who grew up in the hood, who grew up with insecurities and food insecurities, um, who grew up not knowing whether or not the rent was going to be paid, um, you know, feeling neglected because all my family did was work, um, living with the violence of my neighborhood, of the drugs in my neighborhood, of, you know, incarceration in my family, of domestic violence in my family. All I wanted to do was just run away from that storyline as fast as possible and just jump into the other life. The problem is, is that eventually all of that catches up to you. And so step one is me talking about, you know, owning the story. I wanted to rewrite the story so bad that I didn't realize that I had to go back and put the pieces together. And that's a huge part of healing is that we have to put those pieces back together. We have to reconcile where we feel broken because it never goes away no matter how much you succeed, no matter how much you gain, no matter how much you create, you create that perfect life. It's not enough if, it's, if we're hiding and running from who we used to be or where we come from. So being honest is to me so, so crucial. And that's what I mean when I talk about be honest with yourself. Is that there are some things that we outgrow. Um, and there are some things that we want to forget, but they, they stick to us unless we acknowledge them. Um, and that's an enormous part of any healing process. We cannot. And what I, you know, part of the reason that I wrote this book is that I've been doing so coaching for the last three years and what I've noticed that people come to me they want to hurry up and get to the accomplishment it's a destination and that destination is always filled with all this promise and expectation and that destination always lets us down because that's not the point you know desire is great because it pulls us somewhere so the desire for me to get out of the hood to not raise my family in the hood to not be a statistic and get pregnant in, in my teen years that was a desire I had and I was determined and I was happy for that desire to pull me out of the ghetto, to pull me into another environment, to, you know, meet my husband, get to Atlanta, go to school, get the job of my dream in politics. All of that was great. Um, and that desire was necessary, but that desire was not the fix. I kept looking outside of myself for the fix. I kept waiting for the fix, which was what made me unhappy that every time I checked something off my list, you know, it didn't feel any better. And the reason it didn't feel any better is because there was a still a hurt little girl, confused little girl, um, someone inside of me still looking for meaning, still wanting to make sense of the past, still needing the pieces to be put back together. And nothing I gained was ever enough. And so I would gain something and because I didn't have the skills to verbalize or talk about how it still didn't make any sense, even though, by the way, guys, I had been going to therapy since I was 14 years old, 
I still didn't understand why I kept wanting to fill this void. Well, the void is the person I was avoiding, the little girl I was avoiding, the teenager I was avoiding. I didn't want anything to do with her. I didn't even want to talk about my story. I don't think I've ever talked about my story, and I'll be honest, I'm really skipping over the story. I'm still not ready. People ask me, when am I going to write a book about myself and my life, and I'm not ready. I'm not ready to... And it's not that I don't like know the story. It's just I don't, I'm not ready to share the story. But I was able to do that for myself. Um, and, and so what did that look like? Because this is what I talk about in the book. I got sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. Um, I got tired of fighting myself. I got tired of self-sabotaging. I got tired of fighting others. I got tired of feeling less than. I got tired of, while in the same breath, you know, accomplishing all these things at the same time feeling unworthy of them. I got tired. And at some point, I got a glimpse of what it meant to be at peace with myself. And it was a glimpse because it was like 60 seconds. And from that moment on, I jumped in head first into finding more of that peace. I had no idea what I was doing at the beginning of my journey, but I knew whatever that clarity was for those 60 seconds in the middle of a juice cleanse that I needed and wanted more. And, and so then it started for me. And what I realized really early on was that I had to quiet the voice in my head, the one that kept pushing me to run away from the past and to keep moving towards a destination. The problem was that every new goal I set could not silence the little girl inside of me screaming to be recognized, screaming for someone to acknowledge the pain that she felt and how small she felt and how small she made herself so she wouldn't bother anybody. And she, every time I was in the throes of getting something that I wanted, had a huge tantrum because she's like, it's not this. It's not this career. It's not the marriage. It's not just look at me. And of course, when we are avoiding ourselves, we create enormous distractions. Um, One of the distractions for me was food and drinking. I mean, I wasn't like a heavy drinker, but I wanted a glass of wine every night and I numbed myself with TV and all kinds of distraction instead of just being with myself and what I learned through the first step was through the readings and understanding of mindfulness understanding of the spiritual journey digging in more into myself meditating doing yoga taking care of my body no longer making food a distraction but using it as a way to heal myself is that I was quieting the noise in my head enough so that I can hear what inside of me needed to surface and I needed to reckon with be be honest with, sit with, to finally heal it. And so I became honest with myself. I became honest that I kept wanting to accomplish all of these things to prove worthiness um, and that it wasn't necessary. All I needed to do was be comfortable with myself. That validation was never going to come from anybody. It needed to come from within. And so step one to me is incredibly important for those reasons. The story that motivated me to leave was that I didn't want to be like my mother. I didn't want to be like my friends. I didn't want to have a baby out of wedlock. I didn't want to get stuck in the system of welfare in New York City. I didn't want to live with my mother or any other family member. I wanted to be independent. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be all the things that I didn't get as a kid, but I was doing it in the wrong way. 
I was, I was grabbing the bull by the horn and I was doing it. I'm going to, you know, bulldoze my way through life and get the stuff and be determined. Wow. It's all praised. We, we, those accomplishments in our society are praised. It wasn't what I needed. <laughs> I needed gentleness. I needed stillness. I needed inner guidance and I needed it to be kind. I needed to find my love, my own love, my heart, because what was missing was that little girl didn't feel loved or seen or heard, and she kept trying to make a lot of noise in order to do that, and I had to be honest that that way wasn't working anymore, and it was the reason why I was so unhappy, and it was the reason why I picked fights with my husband and and left him several times, because I was so afraid that he would leave me, so every time I would accomplish something, a little part of me always said, you don't deserve this. And who do you think you are? Who do you think you are was such a big noisemaker in my head. It was constantly reminding me that I wasn't good enough. Even though I was accomplishing all these things, you're not good enough. And I finally had to be honest that that voice and I just, it wasn't working anymore. She what was motivating me, who do you think you are, was no longer working. She was now causing chaos. And I had to be honest with that. I had to be honest that that voice that I identified with for so long, the determined one, the strong one, that I'm going to lift myself up and I'm not going to stay in this neighborhood and I'm going to make something of my life. She was causing messes, lots of them. I would get jobs and I would leave jobs. Um, I would get into disagreements with coworkers or employers and I would just storm off and leave really good opportunities, opportunities that I got into um, because of my determination were now causing me headaches. Um, My marriage wasn't stable because I wasn't stable. And all it took was for me to change my perspective and to be honest of what was causing the chaos. It wasn't anything around me. No one was doing this. I was the common denominator in all the areas of my life that weren't working. And so I became honest. Um, Who you are, these are questions that I, I wrote some questions. So the book is comprised of my story and then um, some journal prompts and an affirmation. Now I write at the very beginning of the book that affirmations without actions are not going to work. I'm a big proponent of that. I don't believe in just saying affirmations. I believe affirmations with some sort of action is important. So in the book I have some exercises as well as journal prompts. And one of the questions that I asked in in, in in chapter one, step one, be honest with yourself, is who are you when no one's looking? Where do you avoid taking responsibility? What stories do you tell yourself about why you're stuck? You know, for me, it was always everybody else. It was the job, it was the employers, it was the disorganizations of the jobs, it was my husband didn't know how to love me, he wasn't doing things right, it was my family, um... When no one was looking, I was a scared girl who was trying to make sense of her life because nobody had given her direction. I was scared. That's the truth. And I never wanted to admit that. But who I was when no one was looking was just a scared little girl who had no direction for how to do life. I knew that the only examples I had was not the examples I wanted to live. Yet I was doing that. I was repeating patterns I'd seen in my mother and I'd seen in my grandmother. My grandmother Everything was a fight with everyone. It was her defense mechanism for everything, for her shortcomings, for her feeling uneducated, for her being here and being an immigrant and not having, you know, a middle class life. Everything was a fight. Everything was met with anger. And I was starting to live that way. 
But really on the inside, I was just scared because I didn't have a roadmap. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't want to live that way, but I didn't know any other way. Um, and I avoided taking responsibility. I blamed everyone around me except for me. But again, that example that I didn't want to live up to was exactly what I was doing. I was fighting everyone. I was fighting everything. I was judgmental with myself and everybody around me and I placed blame and every day I was just fighting and something was always wrong. That after a while becomes exhausting. I don't know if some of you can relate to this or listening to this, but I was exhausted, literally making myself sick. I didn't know while I, while I was suffering from so many medical conditions at the time that they were all related to stress and depression. Um, and so those three questions to me are important. There are way more prompts in the book and I don't want to give the entire book away, but, um, yeah, um, that's step one for me. It was really about coming clean about ways that I was self-sabotaging and using my story as a way of justifying all the mess in my life that I was creating, that no one was creating, although I was blaming everyone around me, it was all me. And so I had to be honest with myself about that. Um, So one of the affirmations in the book is, or one of the exercises is to write down your victim story. My victim story, like I told you, was that I grew up in a very crowded household where at the beginning of my life there was domestic violence between my grandfather and grandmother. Um, There was drug use. There was alcohol abuse. Um, My mother was very young and, you know, did the best that she could, but no one really was looking out for us. I was neglected and, and I used all of that as fuel to get me out, but also the reason why I couldn't propel myself forward. It was their fault. It was the, they were the reason why I didn't have anything because I didn't have a better background and they didn't do right by me. And I never saw it as the best that they can. And using what they had to do the best that they can, I saw it as my blame story. They were my story. I was a victim of my life. And they're the reason why I'm not better and had all these insecurities when really it was just me. It was just me. And one of the first things I did was just come clean. I mean, and literally when I say that, it's not a one and done. It was every day recognizing where I would pick, you know, where I would start these tiny messes, I called them, and and leave them there. When I would pick a fight with my husband, when I would start arguing with my mother, when I was, I mean, I could, one of the things that stands out the most is that I would get so upset at traffic. And I live in Atlanta, so there is traffic all the time. And I remember just that being... The, the thing that would fuel my anger every day was traffic when it existed every day. But as, what I remember, well, the reason I remember about that is that I remember that that's when I started to notice my change. When I just started to tell myself very simply as a practice, there's going to be traffic today. Expected traffic today. It's okay. The traffic is there. It's coming. So when I say be honest with yourself, it doesn't have to be always about the story. It doesn't have to be heavy. It was just okay, rather than get mad and be upset, we've been living here now <laughs> at that point, 20 years, 20, 19, 18 years. I'm now, I've been in Atlanta now, 23 years. There's traffic. And so I started to become gentle in the being honest. There's traffic. So today we're going to listen to a book or today we're going to, you know, do a driving meditation. I'm going to repeat a mantra. 
I started just to breathe into the honesty. Okay, nothing is happening to me. Everything's happening for me. I can accept what's right in front of me. And that was a way of becoming honest with myself. When I was having a hard time, I worked there towards the end of um, the beginning of my awakening and the end of my life in politics. It was simply as nothing is happening to me here. I've just outgrown the space. I was honest. I don't really want to do this. I was doing it because I thought it looked good. I'm ready to move on. After 10 years in it, I didn't want to do it anymore. I became honest about there's actually nothing wrong in my relationship. I'm the one who's scared. Maybe it was the lack of attention that scared me when my husband did give me attention. The lack of love, not understanding love, not having self-love scared me in my relationship. Or the feeling of abandonment because my mother worked all the time and I didn't know my father at all. And all of those things I became honest about, but in a very gentle way, in a very loving way. At the beginning, I didn't know I was being loving. I was just trying to change the tone of the story. So rather than being so upset about everything all the time, I reminded myself that all I had to do was be honest and be in acceptance and then there'd be nothing to fight about. I was afraid that if I admitted that there was something wrong in my life, then I was doing something wrong. So I placed the blames on others when really I was an adult and needed to take responsibility for my life. And I was an adult who was able to prepare, propel herself out of a negative situation into a positive one. So now I could prepare, prepare, <laughs> propel myself into a positive mind frame. And so that's what I did. And really that is to me, that was the spiritual journey. It got deeper than that. But in the beginning, it was just about being honest and gentle about where I was. There was no reason to fight reality. Reality just is. I just needed to accept it. Now, I want you all to know, because I want to give you this tip. I learned that from Eckhart Tolle in The Power of Now and then The New Earth. So I, those exercises came from those two books. So anybody reading this, you know, don't forget to buy mine. But <laughs> those two books were incredibly helpful for me because... Eckhart Tolle talks about all the time that we suffer because we won't accept what is. So I just gently started accepting what, what the reality of my life. And again, where I was causing the mess. No one was doing it. It was just me. And that became my practice. That became my practice for the first year. And, you know, that is for me the start of this beautiful life now that I've created. <laughs> Six years later, I'm so confident and happy and okay with changes and okay with things not turning out in fact I'm not even attached to outcomes now I do things for the pure love of it um you know I don't even set long-term expectations because I know things can change and and that makes me very happy I'm completely honest about my story I blame no one I love everyone because I love myself and uh I, I can't, and I hope that throughout this um, series that you, you see the transformation as I talk about my story and how the steps helped me. Um, you know, honesty and gentleness in that honesty is so, so fulfilling and so important. Um, one of the quotes from chapter one is healing happens when we see the truth and leave behind what we've outgrown. My attitude <laughs> had outgrown it, needed to leave it. My career in politics outgrown it, needed to leave it. 
And rather than blaming anybody and finding fault, I just became okay with it. It was just like, why, why go against the grain? Why go upstream? I started to just surrender to the reality. This is where I am. This is where it is. And I'm just going to be honest about it. And no one else needs to know. I'll tell you that right now. My journey was very sacred the first four years. I didn't share any of these steps with anybody. I'm happy to share them now. But in the beginning, just be honest with yourself. No one needs to know it. Process it. Work through it by yourself. This is, again, why I call it the process of being. We first have to process being with ourselves before we can process it outwardly. So process it with yourself first. Share it with yourself first. Be honest with yourself first. And then eventually you can let people in. But first you, first feed you, first find you, first heal you. And then the rest of the world will make sense. And so, yeah, I hope with that (laughs) Um, uh, you guys are interested in the book. But also I hope that as you listen to this, this serves in your journey as a helpful tool for moving forward. Um, there's so much more in the book. Like I said, I didn't want to share too much. Um, yeah, so I'm just looking through chapter one to see if there's anything else that I want to share with real fast. And, um, no, it's actually pretty self-explanatory. Um, I think one last point I'll make is that stop identifying with the negative in your life. Start looking at the negative as detach yourself from it so perspective is everything so don't identify with all the negative feelings anymore see them as separate from yourself and start to see how you can change that that outlook so rather than looking at something as or let's say take for example your job maybe you don't like your job maybe you hate what you do maybe you want to do something else So rather than looking at it as a hindrance or looking at it as something that doesn't give you enough time, look at it as an investment for whatever this other thing it is you want to do, whatever creative thing it is you want to do. Just change it. Stop identifying with all the negativity. Stop identifying with all the bad things in your life, whether it's a relationship or your past, and start seeing it as something that you're going to start building from, not in. So we build in in these negative places in our lives. And what we have to do is start to separate and build from it. So this is what's happening now or this is what happened to me. This isn't where I am anymore. I can now move past this. But there are some things in that story that can help you. There are some things that if you look at it from the outside, you've learned and you've grown from. So stop identifying with it and start seeing it as something that you can use now to build from. I hope that makes sense in your healing journey and in your process of becoming and being yourself. Um, Because it's incredibly necessary to change how you see yourself and change the negativity and start seeing life a little bit differently. And with that... Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Come back next week where I'll be talking about step two in the book. Um, And I'll just give you a little glimpse of what that is. Be willing to change. Step two and love yourself first is be willing to change and ready to heal. And um, thank you again for listening. Please do share this with anyone um, that you think it might be helpful to. Um, if you want to find me on social media, I'm at Munden Wright, 
and um, please do follow, like, share, and with so much love and so much peace, I bid you all a, I don't know, goodbye, and I'll see you next week, or you'll hear me next week, so thank you all, and see you next week, bye.